that uh, the book is part of, potentially be part of the process of coming to terms with the big subject of all, which is death. And the last book that I attached my name to, which is the book I wrote, Understanding Life After Death, I approach it one habit that like academically researching the evidence and then my own experiences. And this is a book to show other people's experiences and the ones that are, I suppose, our favorites, you know, the ones that mm -hmm. really hit home and that people can learn from. And this will, I think, hopefully help, especially to alleviate the grief that we feel when loved ones die, as well as the grief that we feel when we think about ourselves dying, which also creates grief. And I want to see people become more free of that so that they can lead happier, yeah. more fun, more healthy lives. That's why I do this work. And I think that this book is going to help push that along. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. So great to be here with you all. Today I've got Cyrus Kirkpatrick with me on the show and we're going to talk about the new book that's just been released on Amazon and Kindle. We've changed the cover, so we released it with a cover that I wasn't happy with because I got the proof. So I've changed the cover and I haven't got the proof of the new cover, but uh, it's looking better. I'll pop it up. It's called Awakened by Death. Stories of Transformation. Welcome to the show, Cyrus. Hello there. Here I am. Hopefully everything will work out well. I'm in a hotel in Kuala Lumpur and my internet might not be the best right now, so we'll just keep our fingers crossed. I know Cyrus is called Cyrus the Traveller on Instagram. Is it Instagram? Uh, uh, Cyrus the Explorer. The Explorer, the Explorer. And he is, and he's been travelling for the last few weeks. You've been to Indonesia, you've been to Bali, well, Bali's in Indonesia. You're now in Kuala Lumpur. You've been exploring the globe. Seems this way, yes. You like exploring the globe, don't you? I feel like this might be your first life and you're about, and maybe what your first and only Earth life because you're an alien from another planet. You say no. And you're just, no. about, you know, you're going to see every part of the globe you can before you leave this particular no. world. No, I think um, I think I've had a few past lives. I may have had a past life here in Asia, but I won't get into all that. <laughs> Well, you know, what happens with a lot of souls that have come here to be a part of the transition is they get imprinted with uh, past lives that aren't actually even their own past life, if you could call it your own, or that particular aspect of your soul's past life. It can be your part of your soul group past life. But anyway, we won't go into that. That's a, that's a whole other story. So we're going to talk about the book, Awakened by Death stories of transformation. I started putting this together over a year ago. We got 12 people on board to share their stories. People, all of them have been on the show. Obviously, one of them is mine. Well, a bit of my story and Cyrus and a bit of his story. We're both chapters in the book, authors of the book. And we've got 10 other amazing authors who I've had on the show. I'll try and get them all together. Probably won't get all of them together, but in the next couple of weeks, we'll do another show to talk about their chapters. 
And it's all about people's spiritual awakening through the death experience or, I don't know, Cyrus, did you have a spiritual awakening through this death experience or you, was that your spiritual awakening through the death of your mom or were you already? It was, yes. I mean, I think that it's a little bit different with me, I suppose, because I already had a lot of my knowledge, I suppose, of these subjects. I've been already studying it since I was maybe 14 years old, so it's not like it was anything um, extraordinarily surprising to me. But but what I did have happen is I um, there's always been a barrier of doubt, you could say. So there's always um, a chasm between uh, the reality of something and like the theory behind it. And so what my experiences were able to do is I bridged that chasm. And so now these conceptual spiritual ideas changes very much when you're actually communicating with people who have passed on. And that it, it really began more in 2014 when I began having out-of-body experiences. But even then, I still hadn't like had the concrete, like being able to talk to somebody who had died. Uh, and certainly before 2014, it was all like theoretical to me. So, I, you know, I, okay. I had, I, I wasn't, I guess you could say I, an experiential believer. Say that again, because the internet isn't great. I wasn't yet like an experiential believer, right? right? I was just going believer. off of other people's experiences. Yeah. That makes well, sense. Exactly. Well, that's a lot of people in the, you mm-hmm. know, yes. spiritually seeking. And I guess I was asking questions before I had experiences too, but, you know, the questions summon the experiences because we come here to have a physical 3D earth experience and that's what we sign up for and that's what we have. And then we start to awaken so that awakening could be through questions or it could be through an experience or through the death of somebody, which is like what the stories are in the book. I think with Sandra Champlain, she was absolutely terrified of death and she had such a uh, like big fear about it that she thought she'd better investigate it because she thought, I wonder if there is actually life after death. And so, again, her story, her search led her way down the rabbit hole and now she's got her amazing show we don't die and her book and you know she says a skeptic's investigation to the afterlife so the questions the questions what woke me up but the questions summoned the uh, experiences talking to the dreams obviously in my chapter it's all about the dreams i had after um, mum died so Cyrus is the editor of the book and he's put the book together because he's got all those fabulous skills and he does that for people all the time. So he knows all the stories as much as I do because he's read all of them and edited all of them. He knows them intimately. So we start off with my story because I think I tried to start the book with a kind of more gentle story, just talking about dreams, you know, like dreaming of my mum when I was a kid. Mum came and she t- said the same th- thing to me over and over and over again which was the, is the message of the book. It's the message of Sandra Champlain's show as well, you know, We Don't Die. She just said to me, I'm not dead. And all my friends that died, I dreamt about or I had experiences with, and they all said the same thing to me. I'm not dead, Karen. I'm not dead. We're not dead. And I'm like, okay. And then we go into uh, a few different people. But obviously your chapter is about your out-of-body experiences with your mum. So obviously your mum transitioned as well. And you saw her on the other side. You saw her in an astral realm. So I just wanted to go through the chapters in order. The first one's the message, which is the message that all my dead friends gave me. No brainchild there. And it's like the message is we're not dead. We didn't die. Like Sandra says, we don't die. 
I'm not dead is the message that all my dead friends gave me. And then the next one, obviously, is Sandra's chapter because it's it's about her investigation. So I like to start people off with a sort of gentle, because it's pretty out there. Some of the stuff in this book is pretty out there, including your chapter. That's why I've got your chapter a bit further down. So if somebody that was grieving was reading this book, maybe because you know, we're all going to die. So there's plenty of people out there that need to understand what this whole life and death thing is all about. And if you've got friends or family out there that are trying to wrap their heads around death and what it all means, and if they're grieving, then this book would be great. It's really a spiritual awakening in the book because it starts off gently and then it gets pretty out there, like with way out there in Cyrus's chapter. Hit by a truck is the third one, which is Nancy's one. So Nancy is an atheist who was, she was hit by a truck on her bike. She was on a bicycle, she was hit by a truck and she had an experience in heaven. And her experience is beautiful and delicious and gorgeous. And she spoke to an angel who said, go back and tell humanity all this stuff, which was hilarious because here's this atheist, this, you know, she wasn't an atheist in that she just sort of was like agnostic. She proclaimed that she didn't believe in God and afterlife and and she was a scientist. and, And so then she died and the angel said go back and tell people about heaven and so that was kind of tough for somebody who proclaimed to be an atheist and the girl with the frangipani is dave byron's one which is the fourth one which is about a man whose daughter was killed in the bali bombings and this is the toughest isn't it this is a tough chapter cyrus i i will i will say i mean one reason i booked kuta in bali is because i wanted to go and see the bali memorial i wanted to see her name i wanted to pay like a kind of mental uh, tribute to that whole experience so that you know i yeah. almost didn't want to go and stay in Kuta <laughs> bali but after having read that chapter that affected me so much i that like, it changed my travel up in earth oh no that makes me cry oh <laughs> i know because bali is such a beautiful place there's so much mm-hmm. tragedy that happens in bali not just with things like terrorism but you know drug trafficking and we're so mm-hmm. close in australia to bali and we oh, hear yeah. you know we hear all this stuff and a lot of Australians get caught drug trafficking and then, you know, once you're in a Bali jail, they've killed quite a few Australian tourists for drug trafficking. In Indonesia, they still have the death penalty. And um, so, yeah, I I mean, Dave's chapter is horrific in that he explains blow by blow what happened because he was there and it's, you know, I can see this chapter being a Hollywood movie. I mean... It's amazing what happens in this chapter. and um, But you know what I love about Dave's chapter, Cyrus, is that he doesn't talk about life after death. He doesn't talk about, you know, living the body. He doesn't talk about speaking to dead people. He just shares his experience and then he talks about how it impacted him and how the grief over he was overcome with grief and then how he turned that around. And to tell you the truth, of all the chapters, I love his the most because it's... Yeah so horrific and yet such a lesson in deliberate creation which is what I talk about on the show all the time meaning horrific things can happen to us in life and you know what we can still be happy horrific things the worst possible thing that can happen to you can happen and you can still be deliberate in how you think and feel and create and so it, a happy because life. Because I, um, where the nightclub was that the bombing occurred, there's now like a convenience store. Like, really? So I went into the convenience store and I'm just thinking, this is where Dave stood, you know, right after the terrorist attack happened. And I'm, I'm here buying, you know, buying green tea. And I'm just, <laughs> 
where it happened. And this is, and this is just a, a convenience store. Interesting, isn't it? But there's so many messages in Dave's chapter. His is the longest chapter because he, he was somebody that said, ah, love, he's a great, he's an Aussie. You had, you had trouble editing his, <laughs> editing his chapter because he has so much Aussie slang and he's like, I can't, I'm not going to write anything down, love, you know. He said, I, I can't. And I said, no, you don't have to. Just come over. He came over to my house and I just recorded him and we transcribed it and then tried to put it so that it flowed like a story. So his is the longest chapter, but I think it's the most horrific and the most beautiful chapter. Personally, I love Dave's chapter. Yeah. And who's after yeah. Dave, Cyrus? I died yeah. and learned how to live. That's another yes. NDE. That is uh, Krista Gorman's chapter. So she again had um, giving birth to her daughter in 2000. She died on the operating table. I don't think she was a skeptic as such, but she worked in a hospital. So she had a very scientific, logical mind and she had a beautiful NDE. A Lifetime of Evidence is Frances's chapter and hers is, um, she is the scribe of, of the team books. So this is her mother dying in 2010 and coming through to Frances after she died, she started channeling all this wisdom, which turned out to be four incredible books, the most incredible books I've ever read. But this chapter is not so much about the books. It's about her experience uh, seeing her ex-partner, her ex-husband transition, seeing angels. It's a really, it's a lifetime of evidence. So it's a really beautiful chapter. Did you like Frances's chapter? Of course. Yeah. My chapter is in my book. Some of it is in my book. And I think your chapter, some of it's in your book as well. Hers is not in any other book, so it was fresh material. So that was beautiful to get sort of fresh material. Yeah, but yeah. I think Francis is actually going to do another book, more personal book, not channel books. And then who's after Francis? Love Never Dies. So this yeah. is Elisa Medhus and Eric yeah. from Channeling this Eric. One of my favourites, actually. Because she's another doctor, another scientist. Yeah, I like because, you know... Um, I guess the thing about this chapter that I think is very important, uh, whether somebody is familiar with like channeling Eric or not, or whether somebody is a fan of that work or not, you can put that aside because what the chapter is, is it's a perspective of like a medical doctor who's very logical, a little bit like Nancy also probably, I think with like an atheist, right? And um, suddenly having all of this very, very direct contact and then having to like piece a whole new world together after that. So um, this was, so Lisa's one of my favorites. Yeah, Elisa has a, an incredible, obviously she's gone on to write the blog. She's got a whole YouTube channel and she's got a blog. She's got hundreds of thousands of followers that, and she, you know, speaks to a whole lot of people <laughs> in the afterlife. Like whoever dies, she interviews them in the, she has these afterlife interviews. So she puts on her Facebook page the other day, interviewing Stephen Hawkins tomorrow. <laughs> He's got quits. Yeah, and but I mean, look, I mean, I um, may or may not fully um, say that I, I I believe all of those interviews, but I will say that the chapter and her story and how she first got in touch with her son is very powerful, and it demonstrates um, when somebody who is completely outside of this world will go through when they begin experiencing contact with the beyond. And uh, so I think that's yeah. Definitely made it one of my favorites. Cool. And uh, who have we got after her? Talking to the Dead. So Talking to the Dead's Garnet's chapter, which is actually taken directly out of his fourth book. 
uh, he just released his fourth book where we were just finishing this at the end of last year and we had all the chapters in and I just thought, oh, I'd love to put this chapter in the book because it's such a unique experience, isn't it, Cyrus? It's, uh, it's Garnet in his astral body, so he's having an out-of-body experience and his spirit guide, Albert, takes him to, across to many different realms and places. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if you want to call it the other side because, like they say in the Bible. Yeah, you know, that's in many dimensions. My- well, I think, you know, that's our own limited terminology. So when we start going to the out-of-body world, and I'm, I'm happy that that chapter is in the book so that I'm, like, my chapter is not the only one that, that, that deals with that, we begin to go into the world of, seeing like the multiverse and so like mm-hmm. we are tiny 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 little civilization and our universe has billions of civilizations exactly every every, every civilization in the universe has you know, of all those billions of civilizations they all have astral counterparts uh, on the higher density universe and then that just keeps it going and going and going so even talking about the afterlife as quote the other side is just our perspective we start going to work of like garnet or Jurgen Zeber or Goldman, we begin to learn about, or actually um, Yogananda, who's actually one of my favorite astronauts, Yogananda. But um, we, you know, we begin to see that the way the universe really operates. So it's much, 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 much bigger than just what we might learn, even just from like a, a single near-death experience, where maybe you go into a light or see a field or in some crystalline city. That sounds really amazing, but you realize even that's very, 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 very small compared to just how big it all is. So that's definitely makes makes Garnet's chapter very important. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I put your chapter towards the end because it is, because for somebody waking up to this knowledge, it takes a little to digest, it takes a little bit of awareness to digest that, what you've just said. I mean, because most people think that this is all there is, you know, this this life, this what we perceive through our five senses, this earth, this is like, this is it, and there's nothing and after on, you on the same note, some people, I suppose, who are just like uh, touching the surface of the afterlife may think that all the afterlife is just like a big sunny field. and that One place, lot, yeah. That, that's all of it, or, some, you know, or just, a, or just um, you know, a light and then or a tunnel and then that, that's all of it. Um, so once you start going deeper into, the, um, into this field, you know, so it unwraps more and more. It is difficult for some people to fully get their To wrap their head around. You know, the way I explain it is um, just like there is just huge diversity in experiences and places on this earth, like you're traveling right now. So there's, you know, when you travel, you really see that there's, there's cultural difference. There's there's weather difference. There's there's just so much diversity and different experiences that you can have while we're on this physical earth. Mm-hmm. Who would think that the afterlife would be in any different? There is just like a trillion, million, infinite more variety over there than there is here. And there's huge variety here, like huge right. variety. And some, sometimes some of us humans, we become a little bit phobic of diversity, I've noticed. So people feel like you know they get introduced to something that's very different or outside of that or outside of what they're used to they may try to say oh that can't be real they don't really do that they must all think the same way that i do and of course as a you know as a traveler here on, on this planet i like to like squash that a lot you know and be able to have you know really different cultural experiences mm. um, 
you know, but we can we see that sometimes rears, rears its head a little bit, even in these fields, because sometimes people may feel uncomfortable with the idea that, you know, somebody had an experience that is very different than their experience. But that's a challenge I think we all have to, you know, overcome a little bit. I think that you're a real advocate for that too, as, as I am, that everyone says, how can the afterlife be real if everyone's having these different experiences? And it would be like saying, well, how can the earth be real if everyone's having these different experiences? Mm-hmm. I mean, right. it's, it's illogical, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's illogical. Exactly. Exactly. So in Garnet's chapter, he's experiencing a psychic communication between the parents of a young girl who had been tragically murdered and a, and a, and a medium and a psychic. And so they, through their grief, reach out to a medium because the mother is just mourning so terribly that the, the husband thinks maybe this will help. I don't know. They were like skeptics as well, all these skeptics in the book. Maybe this will help. And so he gets to experience in his outer body, in his astral body, this interaction. And he sees like he goes to the Akashic records or the book of records or whatever you want to call it, and he sees what unfolded. So he explains what he what unfolded, what like how she dies. And then he um, goes and meets the little girl in spirit. And then she's told, her group is told about the session that the parents are going to have and, you know, to be there to show up. So it's really interesting to see how that happens from that perspective instead of this perspective. And, you know, Elisa, in Elisa's chapter, she's talking about talking to mediums from this perspective and then, mm-hmm. you know, contacting the other side, so to speak. But Garnet's the other way around. So I love yeah, that. Yeah, we, we, can, we can see it from that perspective. Yeah. And, um, it reminds me a little bit, like, I don't know if any viewers know about, like, physical mediumship when you go into, like, the old, old spiritualist history. That there was at least one case where somebody claimed that you could go out of body, like, like um, some of us can do. And that he attended like a physical medium seance. And so he actually appeared in the room while he was out of body, like on a, on a train, like, a, like on the other side of the planet. Like he was in Europe, I believe. And he went to a seance that was happening in America and then appeared inside the room to, to wow. greet all of them. So it kind of reminds me of that a little bit because you have a chance to see how these things happen from, from their side. And we have very little information about that, unless you've done like the old spiritualist kind of stuff. Yeah. So, that was, that was interesting about this chapter. Yeah, so it was beautiful that Ozark Mountain Press allowed us to print that chapter in the book because it is in Garnet's fourth book, which is called Dance of Eternal Rapture, one of the chapters. And so we put that whole chapter in our book because I just thought it was just so beautiful to add to the, the book and the whole story of the book. And I think your chapter, The Second Earth, is after Garnet's. You speak about your experiences, which we were about to go into before, you know, having these deliberate, I'll call them deliberate out-of-body experiences. I believe personally that every single being, being, not just human being, but being on this planet has astral experiences when we're sleeping. Mm -hmm. The difference between you and me is that you can have complete consciousness, awareness of it. Like you're awake, I don't even know how to explain it. When you come back into this physical form you have remembrance you have awareness of where you were before and I've had that sometimes but I don't seem to have that deliberate I can't do that deliberately mm-hmm. so I'd yeah. love to know how yeah. to do that deliberately. it's interesting I mean it really it's like um like it looks like a marriage has to occur between like your physical brain and 
yourself on that side because your brain has to process all the information. And so most of the time when we have astral experiences, our brain cannot process it. And so we remember like weird dreams. We remember things that don't really quite make sense because our central processing unit is having a really difficult time trying to, trying to get, it's like it's having um, internet latency. You know, it's having a very difficult time getting the information to that side. But if you can train yourself to um, stay fully conscious, then you can be on that side as we are right now talking, and then you can warp back into this perspective, and then you can take with you the memory. But sometimes even then the, you have to, you know, there's practices you have to do to make sure the memory stays intact too, because it's kind of like, like again, it's like data, and the data becomes corrupted if you wait too long. So you have to wake up, you have to write it all down, you have to make sure it sticks inside your brain, because if you don't, you have to well you see with garnet for instance the first time i interviewed garnet i said how did you develop this ability to remember and he said i didn't karen my my spirit guide just organized it or my soul or my my team or it just happened karen and i'm like and i couldn't work that out in my head because i kept thinking he had to sort of develop this ability and he goes no it just did it and I have to say, when my best friend died, Kate, who's, who's in my chapter, I had those astral experiences with her and I didn't develop anything either, but I was given the ability to have full memory when I woke up in the morning, perceiving it as a dream. But as, like in my chapter, you'll see that when I am with Kate on the other side, I'm touching her and I'm saying to her, but why can I feel you? Like you're solid. Why can I feel you? Why can I hug you? Like, why is this happening when I knew that I wasn't in my body? So I was having an out-of-body astral experience with Kate. And yet at the time that it was happening, I didn't know that I was doing that. I just thought it was a dream. So I didn't develop that either. And yet I do not have the ability to do that deliberately now. So it's well, not in my soul contract to do that. Well, interestingly, I don't know. I mean, we can talk about soul contracts, but I also kind of believe a bit in free will. And in my case, yeah. I don't think it was a guide who like flipped the switch and suddenly I was able to do it. It's more like I began a process of remaining conscious as I was falling asleep to be able to gain motor function of my astral body. Mm-hmm. And so, like I said, I my astral limbs a little bit. <laughs> and then at this, as well as overcoming personal fear of the experience, which was a major hurdle to, to get across. So uh, there wasn't like a guide who said, okay, now you can do this thing, Cyrus. It was more like practicing. And then finally having like one really good projection experience, which maybe was assisted, you know, by somebody. Mm. But it was still, you know, because of my own hard work, I guess, that I was able to. Well, your guide would be your higher self or your soul. That would be your yeah, guide. But- we can call that as yes, yes. That is also uh, everybody has that as a guide as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I suppose I'm referring to like uh, external, like uh, some somebody watching over you, it's external from your own. Yeah, like Albert does with Garnet. Like he, yeah. he literally he, Garnet was asleep in bed, or he was lying in bed, and Albert appeared to him as this sort of astral form that he could perceive with his outside eyes, and then he fell asleep. And he said that Albert literally just took his astral form out of his physical body, like, whoop. Uh, and then, I've, oh, I've, I've, had, I've had visitors do that as well. Really? I, oh, yeah. I've been contacted before by people aware that I can make contact with that side okay. and who wish to speak to me. Okay. And so 
when they're skilled at that, they can just come in and there's just, just pull me up out of my body. And then it's oftentimes a much better experience because it's more controlled and I can stay in that state for longer. Mm. And, it, you know, I suppose I would call these like facilitated out-of-body experiences. And I, I've had numerous um, incidences like that. And usually it's somebody who just wants to have a chat. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. But you know what I love about your chapter? You know, we, we've called it Second Earth. And it is this astral earth. And we've had these debates, these long debates online about whether the astral earth is creating the physical earth or whether where the physical earth is creating the astral earth. And what they're telling me right now as I'm saying that is it's both. It's mm-hmm. not either or. So we're creating, mind. yeah, we're creating in an astral body, we're creating a physical manifestation. And then because of free will and desire and intention, we're also creating an astral experience from a physical perspective, from our like desires and wants and imagination, and yeah, and then, and then it affects physiology and that side. It's not physiology, but physics. So, like, the very thoughts are creating the physical systems that are the same as here in the sense that gravity, or you pick something up and it drops, or if you freeze water, it becomes ice. Like, these are all very, very complex systems that keeps a tangible universe structured. And, you know, it's a, it's a vast, vast, very complex design about how, how all that works together. And yeah. the intention is actually creating that whole program again on that side. A little bit like the film uh, The Matrix, I'm sure you've seen that. And, um, you know, it's we, we take for granted how complex the universe is and all these systems go to the astral side. All that is still in effect but it's more malleable to our own thoughts, which means that, you know, a physical effect like freezing water, the water is still going to freeze, but if if everybody focuses their energy, they could turn it back into liquid again. So Mm. all physical systems are still in place, but now um, it's being more controlled by the players in that program. What fascinates me about your chapter is um, the experiences that people have in wanting to recreate a physical experience and have that uh, quality of physicalness that they have on the uh, in the astral body. Like, for instance, you say there's a bar which is called a fight club. So people go and punch each other because they enjoy <laughs> they enjoyed having this, you know, fights, you know, like wrestling, like punching. And um, something Eric said in his book, in the Channeling Eric book, when I think Elisa said, what do you miss about being physical? And he said this, he said, you don't stop. you like, when you're non-physical, you can't experience that sort of density of stop. You put your hands together and they go through each other, you know, because you're non-physical and there's no stop. And so it was interesting reading your chapter where you've got these guys wanting to fight. So they want to experience that sort of blow of being hit and that sort of feeling, that, that dense sensation. And yeah, yet- because uh, Eric is in a less dense environment. For whatever reason, that is where he has, you know, positioned himself. Mm-hmm. It's a bit odd that, you know, he can't move from there into a more dense astral environment. But for whatever reason, like, he has positioned himself in that environment and that's where he is and then there's certain downsides to that. Mm-hmm. So in the, on, the, on the solid astral environment, like um, if, if you pinch yourself, it's going to feel like you pinched yourself because, you know, Lord knows, Lord knows I've done it plenty of times as an experiment. 
or I've eaten things that are not very digestible to see if they have a negative effect on me. I've done many, many things like that. So it's a, it's a very solid realm. It's a more solid realm. But, but, there's, but, but there are certain disadvantages in the sense that, okay, so in the realm that Eric is in, you might be able to have like very, very fluid mental communication and then you can just teleport and create things with his mind and have all these advantages. But maybe he can't punch something like that. Maybe, he can, maybe there's not like that solid interaction. So that's a little bit of a disadvantage. So, so this comes down to a very important point because it depends on what type of realm you want to go to. So if you really want a very fluid realm, then a lot of people go into Eric's type of environment. But a lot of people, probably more people than not, go into these astral Earth environments that are still, you know, solid as, as where we are right now. So a lot of it comes down to what is in your soul, what is your preference, what type of place yeah. you want to be. It's a bit like choosing good to go traveling. It's like, where do I want to go? Yeah. It's like, where do I choose to go? What do I want to experience next? And this is what people don't realize about afterlife is that there is that choice, you know, that when we transition out of this experience, this physical body, this physical life experience, the moment we're transitioning, we have a desire of what we want to experience next and that desire is sometimes wrapped up with religious stuff you know some people experience heavens and hells Mm -hmm. and some people i have a friend who died at 40 uh, of thalidomide did i write about nikki in my book i know it's in my book i don't in my chapter was she in my chapter i don't think i put her Um, in the chapter so she's in my book nikki and she died at 40 and her boyfriend came to see me for a, a healing and he said i'm dreaming about nikki every night and i said what are you dreaming about he said we're traveling the world. And I said, mm-hmm. really? He said, yeah, because Nikki was sick her whole life. She was born in the 60s with um, effects of the drug thalidomide. So she had some internal problems and some outward deformities as well. And she could never travel because she could never get ins- insurance. And she was bound to get sick because she got sick all the time. So she never traveled anywhere. And her greatest desire in this life was to see the world. And so when she died at 40, she did. She went to Second Earth. And her boyfriend, who was still in his physical body, would join her at night in his astral body and they were travelling the world on oh, yeah. second. Yeah. And, and um, I mean, I, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you can fulfil desires if you choose, if you want, when you transition out of this body that you never fulfilled in, you know, in your yeah, physical form. I think the most important thing for people um, to remember is that, like you said, there is that choice and there is that diversity, like we mentioned this earlier, mm-hmm. because a lot of people they go into the afterlife area and then they read like a, a couple of accounts they think that's all there is mm-hmm. so I've, I've had debates with people from like the channeling era community they say hey cyrus your opinions or your, your experiences you know they don't seem valid to me because the afterlife is a non-physical place so if you said you're at a sports bar and people were do practicing mma sports on each other that must be some kind of weird dream it can't be real because the afterlife yep. is the way that i read about it. yep yep and people have to resist this idea because sometimes people from the afterlife, they report just their own experiences and they're fallible sometimes just like we are. They may only have had these experiences. They may only know about those types of experiences. Exactly. Other places. So they may report, it's like, well, from what I can tell, the afterlife is only this way, this way, this way. Exactly. And I've also had the flip side happen. People say, 
you know, um, the afterlife. Oh no, it's just like the earth and they're yeah. miserable, you know, and then it's yeah. like, you know, well, you have the, you know, again, it's not like that. So um, that's the, probably the biggest thing I struggle with in this field is that um, people get these uh, singular ideas about where they are. You know what? That's something I struggle with, with this field called earth, this field called mother earth, called planet earth, is that people get so singular in their ideas. They, they grab onto a thing like religion and they say, I'm right and you're wrong. You know, that's the biggest thing. It, it's like, I had Swami in the Inner Sanctum. So the Inner Sanctum is a little webinars I do monthly and I invite a guest teacher. Actually, I should invite you on this year. I didn't even think about that. But I know my little tribe would love to meet you and hear your stuff. Oh, I just thought about that because I've been thinking about who to put on next. He said, the tyranny of awe and the genius of and. It was a quote that he said. And that is just, I love that. The tyranny of awe, is it this or that? Like is, is Eric right or is Cyrus right? <laughs> and the genius of and. How about Eric's right and Cyrus is right? Mm-hmm. I want to tell you because Eric's here. When we were talking about him before, he always shows up when you talk about him, always. He said, I can experience those astral experiences that you have, Cyrus, but I have to lower my vibe. I have to, yes. how did you say it? I have, to de- I have to create a denser experience. I have to change the frequency of my vibration. And create a like like you do when you come into a physical light. You have to oh, dumb down's not the right word, is it? No, I know. No. I know exactly what it means. Change, change the frequency and come into. And he also said when you were talking before about that, he said that's what I do when I'm flickering lights and cha- and moving things around and pranking people. He said in order to affect change in this physical environment in order to he said electricity is easy because it's a higher frequency but to like move physical objects he has to change the, his energy the yes, way he flows his energy yeah. yeah because on this on this in the earth plane it's it's lower than the astral the astral earth it's so denser. Actually, I won't say lower. Let's denser, thicker. To go even down, even yeah. thicker. That's really thicker. difficult. It wouldn't be as difficult for him to go to the astral earth plane, right. but but it's difficult because his mind has probably created a pure energy body. So he'd have to like rewire himself to try to go back into like a physical astral body. That's and, but right. But it's something that he desires to do. I mean, the astral earth. I mean, it just to me, it's such a fun place because all the diversity and cultures. And, kind of hecticness about this life, but in like more of like a positive environment. So everyone's having fun and everyone's always partying. People are working jobs because they like the jobs. They love the jobs. It's all the cultures. It's like Japan or South yeah. America or anywhere you can imagine. You know, they, they have those. They have it. It's, it's like and second earth, as you say. As an example, you could go to a place like Italy and imagine uh, attending a lecture by uh, a Roman emperor who passed away on this planet 2,000 years ago. Uh, one time, I was actually in the second earth in North Korea. Mm-hmm. I attended a lecture by Kim Jong-il, who passed away, you know, his son took over. Mm-hmm. Uh, that gives you an example of the kind of stuff that, that goes on over there, and I do encourage people to um, check it out. I mean, I feel like Eric should check it out. Not Because sometimes people think, oh, it must be grimy and nasty. I don't want to go to that astral second earth it's saying too much like earth but no i, I suggest people to give, give, give it a chance There's he's a saying lot. he's saying don't you worry cyrus i've checked it out i've checked everything out he says do you think i haven't checked it out he said i've done all of it he's he's a very Fair enough. inquisitive soul 
curious, better word? Yeah, that'll do. He said he's checked that out. He's checked it all out. He loves it. He loves it. Yeah, he's curious. He's like he's like uh, what Cyrus the adventurer. What do you call yourself, Cyrus? The... On Instagram, yeah. Cyrus the explorer. Uh, the explorer. Uh, he said it's like you. He said you can call me Eric the explorer. He said. <laughs> okay, fair enough, Eric. <laughs> okay, so Eric is very active. I'm sorry. Go on. Eric is very. I love Eric when he comes in. He's got such a joyous energy. So in your astral adventures. You know, these people that enjoy a good punch-up, so they can experience the blow of being hit, but they don't necessarily experience pain like we do in this earth. Um, you, your mind has more control over it. Okay, so your mind has more control. You're not, you're not um, submissive to the pain. Okay. I don't want to say you don't experience pain because I have experienced that it's been self-inflicted. Right. And people also on that side, they will avoid pain. You won't see somebody like, you know, purposely walking into a spike because it's you know the body is a bit of a replication yeah but you but you're no longer sub, uh, subservient to the, those out external effects okay. so like if you're if you're practicing mma it's not like your knee is going to get bad and you have to have surgery or something okay. like that so you um there is still pain but in some ways it's almost like like would a video game be any fun if you can't lose would a video game be any fun if uh there is not like any kind of like a negative consequence for an action. No, yeah. it'd be a very boring game. So in, yeah, in that yeah. sense, even like pain serves a little bit of a purpose, but it's not like on the earth plane where, where we all have to be subservient to these outside forces. That's, that's, the, big, that's the big difference. Okay. So the difference here is that like the buffer of time really. So when you have a thought, the manifestation of this thought in this earth plane is, is longer. And you don't really connect the thought to the manifestation, but there you've got this shorter experience where you can have a thought and it manifests faster. So you, if you're in pain, you can say, I'm now not in pain. And as you say, you've got more control over the physical environment being your body and the, yeah. That's, that's actually a perfect description. I mm -hmm. think that's exactly how it works. Mm -hmm. It's still not instant, but it's quicker. The, high, the higher up you go, the more instantaneous yeah. it becomes. Mm -hmm. like, a, like a mental plane, everything yeah. you think is coming as you imagine it. Which, exactly. You know, it's just like preferences. I don't really have much interest in that at this point in, of, of time. I think there may be a time when I will want to begin projecting into those types of realms. But mm -hmm. I, I like the um, adventure that comes with kind of the astral plane more. But when I think about being able to just manifest everything inside my mind as it comes, I think, oh boy, there's all kinds of stuff in there. I don't want that. I don't want everybody to see whatever is in my mind. I want to, let's just hold up a little bit. Let's just yeah. sit down here. I know. Think about that later. So as we're shifting, anyway, that's another subject. Let's get to finish the book. But as we're shifting, you know, in frequency and density on this earth to a fourth and fifth dimension, we're becoming more astral-like, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so who's after you? So your chapter's called Second, uh, I Choose Love. That's Scarlett's. So that's another child. That's another, you know, Scarlett's chapter is about her son being shot in the Sandy Hook shootings. And, and Oh, yes, this is, yeah. Yeah, so again, so, so the, what's happening in this book, it's, it's diverse. It's, it's unlike any other book, I think, that you've read or I've read in that it has these different experiences. So it's not all 
out-of-body experiences or all NDE experiences or all experiences about grief and loss. It's like a whole diff- realm of different experiences, you know, like speaking to clairvoyance from this side and that side and in-body, out-of-body, dreams, grief, how to get over grief, how to be positive, deliberate creation. So Scarlett, you know, the thing about her um, experience, which I tried to stretch out in her chapter, when I had her on the show, what I really struck me was that she said that inside her grief, her biggest fear had been realized. Mm -hmm. And she said that, you know, when I realized that I was living my biggest fear, I also realized in that moment that I actually didn't have any more fear left because I'd already experienced my greatest fear. And she said she'd sort of, she got to experience dropping all her fear. And then she had like an awakened in-body life review when she had this realization or awakening that she had no fear left and she looked back on her life and saw how she'd been leading her life and pretty much every thought had been connected to fear every thought like Mm -hmm. not every thought obviously but most thoughts like everything she did was sort of attached to some sort of fear and she said she had this experience of about eight months after um, her son was murdered of this grace And she started a movement called I Choose Love, the Jesse Lewis Foundation, which I'm going to donate some of the, because I'm donating some of the proceeds or or my proceeds to charities. And her charity is going to be one of them. It's the Jesse Lewis Foundation. And she goes into schools and teaches people how to overcome their stressful thoughts, how to choose love over fear. And I think it can't can't be better than that, really. And um, so that's her charity is one of the charities that the proceeds are going to, as well as Habitat. I like Habitat and a couple of other charities. So buy the book because proceeds are going to charity, most of them. So the next one after her is Love's Eternal, A Soul's Journey. That is Ainsley's chapter. And he, I'll tell you what's fascinating about his he had an NDE and then for 13 years he didn't remember it. And when he started his awakening journey, he was a policeman. I think he still is a policeman. He started to remember his NDE. So that I found that was fascinating. It wasn't like he came back with all the knowledge like the other NDEs in the book. He came back with complete amnesia like you do when we wake up in the morning and you can't remember a dream. And then it started to gradually come back to him over his life and uh, and when he had more memory of it, it profoundly changed his life and that's a beautiful story too. So that so that's another sort of difference to his story in that he didn't come back and try to over you know, like try to navigate his life with this new knowledge like Nancy did or who else had an NDE? Oh, the last chapter is Yvonne's chapter, Heaven is Empty. I called it Heaven is Empty, which is only a small part of the but her NDE was expansive and extensive and she gives a lot of advice in her chapter about what to do, what to eat. So this is her advice, not my advice or Cyrus's advice. It's pretty out there. So I left her chapter to last. She said she could whiz around the universe, she could see universes upon universes or she could go and explore the inside of an atom, you know, she just had that. Extremely interesting stuff in her chapter about um, kind of the nature of how universes are made or like, I think it was like, uh, wasn't wasn't there some mention of almost like um, the creation process with like gods and entities like that, that are like like overseeing our universe and that that we, 
that we've seen before as like gods and goddesses. So very interesting stuff. I think it's um, you know something that's uh, it's it's very different than a lot of like NDE stories in particular read about, which is actually why I like the Bond's chapter. Yeah, it is, it is different. And she had never written anything. Look, a lot of the people had never written anything. Some of them, like Cyrus and myself, had put, you know, had books. Obviously, Garnet had books, but some of them had never written anything. So uh, she's actually working, her and Ainsley and a few others are working on, you know, putting their story into a bigger book. But this is a chance for them to get their stories down, you know, to write something down, to have it printed, to have it in a book. And, uh, and then you can go on to sort of create a bigger book, like a whole book about your experience. So for budding authors out there or people that have amazing experiences that they want to share with the world, awakening experiences, spiritual awakening experiences, maybe you'd like to be in the next, you know, books are coming up in the series. The next one I'm going to do is just about spiritual awakening. It's not sort of themed around death so much. It's about any way people experienced a spiritual awakening, which could be an NDE or an out-of-body experience. It could be through the death experience. But I did the first one around death because on my show, of all the shows that have had the most views, it's the ones that people talk about death. It's the people that talk about NDEs, especially, you know, Atheist Goes to Heaven. I think Nancy's had the most views on my show, Atheist Goes to Heaven. A lot of people Googling what happens when you die and is there heaven and, you know, I, I'm a Catholic or I'm, you know, religious and I believe there's heaven, so therefore I want to sort of, I want proof about that. So, you Sometimes know. we have to use the terminology like heaven to be able to get people's attention. Exactly. You know, I think they really call themselves be, as being in heaven per se, but sometimes we have to use that terminology. So. Yeah. Well, anything that's not the physical life experience they call heaven but, you know, in Yvonne's chapter, which is the last chapter in the book, she talks about how people, like we spoke about, go to these heavens that they expect to go to. And yeah, they're called with- hollow heavens. And I've, I've just many, many accounts of this. Um, Jürgen, the great out-of-body explorer, I recommend everybody to check out the multidimensional man. He's seen these places firsthand. I love uh, other near-death experiences where they People have shown these hollow heavens. It, it is controversial. Not many people want to talk about this in their books even because it, it's saying, hey, if you have these strict religious beliefs, you may end up in an impersonation of the heaven that you think that you're going to. So it is it is quite controversial. And, but it's one of those things that is so consistent. Uh, guides all the time show people, hey, look what happened to uh, Billy here who uh, had very, very, very strict fundamentalist beliefs and now he is in his version of the heaven he wants to be in and uh it's maybe not quite what we would see as like an objectively uh happy and nice place to be but it's again it's very controversial so well Yvonne just said that people that go there are just bored because we had a real laugh about this on the show I called the show heaven is empty because I just thought it was hilarious because she said that you know Who's ever died, they've gone to heaven, so it's going to be full. So they go to a heaven of their belief and there's angels and they might see Jesus and angels and harps playing and God sitting on a throne or whatever they experience, but they, they're actually alone. There's like, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, that's why I call it heaven is empty. And because they don't realise at that time that they've actually created it through their belief, their lifelong belief that this is what the afterlife would be like because that's what their particular 
religion said it would be like. And, and when they wake up to knowing they have a choice to be there or not be there, as soon as they know they've got a choice, they're out of there because it's boring, yeah. it's empty. Well, wasn't, wasn't it in Yvonne's chapter that she said something to the effect that like the hollow heaven she was looking at, the residents begin to feel uh, like maybe they've been duped a little bit because uh, they feel like if there was there, there was like a god overseeing everything, if there was like some like refuse on the ground that they, they would really disappear because the god can obviously keep the place perfect, but the place got like a little bit dirty. And it seemed kind of like there was, wasn't being kept up. And that was very odd because if this is heaven overseen by an all-knowing God, it would they keep the place like very nice looking. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'd have to reread it. We'll take, take a look again because I remember reading that. In one maybe of she did. Yeah. No, maybe. I don't, it was, but, and then that was the thing that was queuing people in like, well, this, this place, maybe it's not the real heaven because... You know why is it getting messy? I thought that was very. I know I read this. It can't just be a can't just be my imagination. I'll I'll take a read again. I have to say I don't remember. Even though I've read these chapters all a million times, there's so much in the book. There's just so much diversity, and there's so many stories to remember. But it's the sort of book that you could just read over and over and over again, couldn't you? And and there's so many lessons in the book because it is so diverse. There's so many lessons in the book about choice. Choice, choice, choice seems to be the biggest lesson in the book. Like with uh, Dave Byron, for instance, he had the choice to overcome his grief, which a lot of people feel like they don't have when they're inside grief. But I said, what made you such a happy person? And he said, oh, to tell you the truth, love, I just got sick of kicking my jaw around the whole time. He said, I was just over feeling bad. And so I just made a decision every morning to wake up and feel good. And people don't realize we have that choice. We have choice where we go in the afterlife. We have choice how long we stay there. We have choice whether we want to feel good or feel bad in this life, whether we want to create heaven or hell. In this life, we have complete and utter choice. And, you know, the same with uh, Scarlett and Jessie. You know, she had a choice of grieving the senseless murder of her beautiful five-year-old, six-year-old son or to start a movement and change the world. There was a choice. And... A lot of people, you know, like uh, Nancy, who was the atheist who went to heaven, who was in this beautiful, sublime place, she didn't want to leave it. She's like, I'm not going back. <laughs> my, my, her body was shattered to 25 broken bones and most of those bones were broken in multiple places. She, her body was a mess and she had a choice to stay and to go and she chose to come back, but she was given that choice. So the message, the overarching message of this whole book, I think, is around choice too, um, that we have in every moment a choice to, yeah, to experience what we're experiencing right here, right now. Right, right, yes, yes. And also in our astral, because you have that choice too when you're in your astral form. You can obviously pick and choose what you want to, where you want to go and what you want to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, actually, just last night, I, I was posted about this in my group because I kind of did like an astral uh, focus group. Like, I actually had got some people together to be like, okay, who here remembers when they were alive on this planet? Raise your hand. Who here, you know, who here uh, is aware what astral projection is and understands where I am? Raise your hand. So I did like a whole like thing with a bunch of people last night that I met. Um, and then, this is like, this is on second Earth. Yeah, yeah. So you're actually teaching there as well as here. Um, in a sense, yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to gather information and do like kind of focus groups to get um, ideas about like 
what they know, what they think, what their thoughts are, so that I can I can report that back like, like to my group after my topics. Cool. So, is there anything else you want to say about the book before we wrap this well, up? I would say that uh, the book is part of um, uh, could potentially be part of the process of coming to terms with the big subject of all, which is death. And the last book that I attached my name to, which was the book that I wrote, Understanding Life After Death, I approach it one habit that like academically researching the evidence and then my own experiences. And this is a book to show other people's experiences and the ones that are, I suppose, our favorites, you know, the ones that mm-hmm. really hit home and that people can learn from. And this will, I think, hopefully help especially to alleviate the grief that we feel when loved ones die, as well as the grief that we feel when we think about ourselves dying, which also creates grief. And I want to see people become more free of that so that they can lead happier, yeah. more fun, more healthy lives. That's why I do this work. And I think that this book is going to help yeah exactly yeah exactly i mean i know lisa said that when eric wrote his book you know through a medium but eric spoke to jamie butler who wrote the book his experiences in the afterlife blow by blow what happened um after he killed himself did he feel pain did he not feel pain blah blah, blah. amazing book she said that when she read that book she knew exactly where he was she could visualize it she knew he was happy she knew he was safe and happy and, and making a difference in this world. When she came to all those realisations, all the grief, she had just like a little bit of grief left, completely disappeared. And she knew that she can have that communication with him whenever she wants, um, either through a medium or through her own efforts, you know, just talking to him. So she knew that there was nothing to grieve because they were still having a relationship. They were still... Yeah, and that's such a beautiful message. That's that's a message I try to impart in my chapter that there is no such thing as loss. You know, there's only a different a transitioning from one experience to another. And if you tune up your vibration, you can have that access to the continued relationship, that continued communication with your loved ones on the other side, which I think is um, a fundamental teaching. For humanity at this time, I think that's why so many people are Googling, is there life after death? Can I speak to my loved one? And that's why psychics do such great business, you know, mediums. As long as people people just stay off of Wikipedia, then they'll be fine. (laughs) Why you don't like, you're not a fan of Wiki? (laughs) Well, Wikipedia is run partially by a group called the Gorilla Skeptics. And they, uh, every single spiritual topic that's ever been posted on Wikipedia has an addendum. This is not real and here's the proof it's not real. Oh, I and didn't so know that. Wikipedia is the primary source of disinformation. About oh, all gee, I didn't know that. You know, I have donated money to Wikipedia to keep it going. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. We should be donating money to like to stop Wikipedia Foundation. Oh, I didn't know that. Because, you know, I use Wiki a lot for other things, not probably not spiritual subjects, because I've got access to the mob. You know, if I need to answer a spiritual question, I just access them. If I've got some sort of physical question, I access Google. <laughs> but if I've got some spiritual stuff, I've got direct access. So maybe that's the gift inside Wiki. Don't use Wiki, use your own connection. 
Yeah, but unfortunately, a lot of people, they don't know where to start. They go on Wikipedia, they put in near-death experiences, or they put in something, and then they find, oh, well, that explains that oxygen deprivation is, you know, and and then it kind of puts puts their journey to us to a stop. Right, yeah. Well, putting books out like this of people's experiences really helps that evidence, you know, evidence of the afterlife, because... Maybe they're not quantifiable evidence, but you can't you can't call everyone in the world a liar. You know, I mean, if you've got millions of people writing their stories down in books, then you just can't say that millions of people are all lying about this stuff. So, so this is what the Awakening Soul series is all about. It's about getting that evidence, getting people's stories out of them, getting your music out of you before you die, having the courage and the bravery to put down what you've experienced in a book and letting other people read about it. So the next book in the series, as I said, is, is people's spiritual awakening journeys, how they came to enjoy their life more, um, be more deliberate in manifesting more joy and happiness in their life. Uh, through and, their- I, I, I'm, and I'm looking forward to when you do your um, book that relates to extraterrestrial well, yeah, and then I, I want to work on three. I want to work on ET encounters or a- alien encounters. So people's encounters either communicating like channeling or having abduction experiences, I think they're fascinating. I'm speaking to Donna Lynn who has had amazing abduction experiences and, and communications with her ET mob in, uh, in April. She has an amazing, so she's going to write a chapter for the book. And I spoke to Sherry Wilde, you know, on the show, she has her book, The Forgotten Promise. So maybe I'll get her to contribute a chapter that, that's not in her book, The Forgotten Promise. And I love, I, I love, I love those experiences. I've had plenty of communication. I don't think I'll write a chapter in that book because I'm no expert in that area, but I chat to extra dimensionals all the time. Um, I have this vision. My ex-husband asked me when we first started dating years ago, probably about Virginia, can you speak to aliens? I said, yeah, sure. So I just called out and I had this uh, Arcturian come to me and give me this ball of energy. He just, he, she, it had a long sort of robe type thing on. Um, Anyway, I've seen um, people's artwork of what I saw, handed me this ball, this sort of like, it looked like a mini sun like swirling ball of energy and said, here you go, play with that. And then with another healer friend of mine, we were playing with this ball of energy. And interestingly enough, what's that guy? Jason Quitt has, um, have you heard of Jason Quitt? He wrote a book uh, about his experiences. He had a terrible accident and he had the same experience as I did 15 years ago. He just had recently. So I reached out to him a few, uh, probably about a year ago and asked him to be on the show, but he was too busy. But then he had this terrible accident in between then and now. So we've got lots more to talk about. So I'll get him on the show. Maybe he can contribute. And then the angels asked me to get their message out. So Angel Encounters. That's another book I wanted, People's Angel Encounters. Interesting because, I mean, I could probably go into a long discussion about, well, what is an angel? How do you define an angel? Yeah. Within a deceased loved one? Yeah. Entity? Do they want to be called angels? Are they... Um, something else entirely, but that's... Well, a lot of people, because there's a whole mob of um, non-physical family that are overseeing and helping us on this earthly experience, and there is definitely an angelic realm that have their specific jobs, but then there is a lot of physical, uh, non-physical guides that talk to us and help us, and like this alien who gave me this ball of energy and told me to play with it in my healing, 
you know, that ha- that give us things and we have these encounters and they're not necessarily angels as such. But um, anyway, we'll see what comes out. We'll see what people's stories come out if they come out as um, because there's a lot of physical evidence of angels. Like with Nancy, for instance, who was hit by a truck, when she was under the truck, there was a woman that turned up who said, I'm a trauma nurse. I think she said her name was Kate or Anne, some sort of average person's name and um, like normal common name. And she said, don't move, don't move, don't move. And then she said, let me call an ambulance. And then the ambulance came and this woman disappeared and nobody saw this woman. So she's thinking, was that a real person or was that an angel who took on a physical form to stop her from, because she was trying to get out from under the truck and the doctor said, lucky you didn't, because if you did get out from under the truck, you would never have walked again. You would have been a quadriplegic. So this woman who turned up out of the blue was like an angel so there's lots of stories like that well i look forward to it then and um right so that's i guess everything that's in my brain <laughs> so if you've got a story you want to get your music out of you write to me at uh taz t-a-s-s at karenswain.com is the email address to write to with your story or go to the website better still go to the website and submit your story it's the awakening soul series and you'll see that what we're working on there and um and buy the book thanks cyrus for um chatting to me enjoy the rest of kuala lumpur thank you karen until then all right <laughs> he's out to dinner now yes so, I think so enjoy your dinner bye for now honey thanks for watching another show accentuating the positive with karen and thanks for buying the book Awakened by Death, Stories of Transformation. So in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be doing another show with uh, about half a dozen of the authors. We're all going to jump on together. If you've got any questions for them about life after life, about how to get over grief, about anything to do with spiritual awakening or navigating this life and death experience, send me an email, taz at karenswain.com and ask your questions maybe you might want to jump on we might have a few viewers jump on i might stream that one live on facebook so go to the facebook page the awakening empowerment network it's a group on facebook or accentuate the positive the current swain on facebook and uh, say hello say g'day g'day and um yeah buy the book thanks for watching everyone love you all bye for now Thanks so much for joining us for another enlightened conversation on Accentuate the Positive. If you would like spiritual guidance from my guides, Blissful Beings, go to karenswain.com for a reading or to listen to more enlightened thought leaders share their wisdom. Go to the listen page on karenswain.com and choose who you want to listen to. All the podcasts are also available on iTunes. Remember to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, you name it, we're there. Until next time, bye for now. If you feel like that's what you want